Welcome to The Political Animals, a podcast about politics, culture and ideas from a conservative perspective. I'm your pontificator-in-chief, Jonathan Cole, academic by day, intellectual by night. And this week, I'm really pleased to announce I am not pontificating alone. I have a co-conspirator who I will introduce shortly. I hesitate to call him a pontificator because he is much more than this. And it's certainly a cliche on podcasts or any anything really when you introduce a guest to say this guest hardly needs any introduction. But the problem with cliches is they're simply true in a lot of the cases. And this is one where I do have a guest who really needs hardly any introduction. My guest this week is none other and no less than Martin Isles, the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. We have a wide-ranging discussion about the ACL, Martin's public role in the life of Australia, the relationship between theology and politics, a whole set of hot-button issues. We examine, diagnose our current cultural moment, you name it, we cover it. And my hope is that uh, both fans and detractors of Martin will listen to this discussion because it's quite substantial and they would, would see that he, whatever you think about him and whatever you think about the ACL and whatever you think about his view on X, Y, y or Z, I think this discussion really shows that he is a very thoughtful, very intelligent and very earnest man someone driven by genuine conviction and principle and care for the kind of society that he lives in. And I think it also shows what I've known because I have met him a number of times before this podcast, which is that he actually is a really good guy. He's very likable. I have a lot of fun talking with him. He's got a great sense of humor. And perhaps that doesn't always come out in his public appearances because he has a pretty serious role and he's often talking about really serious uh, matters. In any event, uh, you probably all want me to shut up right now. Let's get to the the man <laughs> that we all want to hear from and the discussion. But in all truth, I really hope you enjoy uh, what follows. Uh, this week, I'm talking with Martin Niles and we're talking Christianity and politics. Martin Niles, welcome to The Political Animals. Thanks, Jonathan. Good to be with you. Thank you, Martin. Now, I want to begin with a hard-hitting journalistic question. You have been on the ABC, Channel 7, Channel 9, Channel 10, <laughs> Sky News Australia, too many radio stations to mention by name, and you host your own highly successful show, The Truth of It. And the ratings of that show, I imagine, would um, do comparably well with some of the shows on those aforementioned channels. Did you ever in your wildest dreams think you would be on The Political Animals? Uh, Jonathan, this is the highlight of my career. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> I'm disappointed you forgot Channel 9, I think. Did I forget Channel you may 9? Have, How I mean, dare I? The, the listeners will judge me on that if, I, if, if, indeed, <laughs> if indeed you didn't forget. But uh, no, it's an honour to be here because, uh, you know, it's one thing to be on uh, the news media and trying to get your sound bites in, but uh, I don't necessarily consider myself uh, uh, an intellectual, but uh, this is a podcast for intellectuals, so the honour is mine. 
Well, Martin, it's funny you should say that because I do identify myself as an intellectual and rather unfashionably as a conservative intellectual. And that is a bit of a dirty word amongst conservatives and Australians. And so probably listeners are thinking, actually, that's a plus in your column <laughs> that you are not an intellectual and possibly a negative well, in well, mind. Well, here's, here's the interesting point. I think people take non-intellectuals more seriously <laughs> in Australia, in Australia. Well, and, and, and here's the sobering reality for a soft-styled intellectual. Perhaps they are not wrong, <laughs> at least on many points. So here we, here we have the, the intellectual and the non-intellectual. That's right. So-called self-described. Um, let me uh, move on to my next hard-hitting journalis- journalistic questions. And they, these are the kind of cushioning part of... Uh, I, I, should, <laughs> I was remiss not to tell listeners that we are going to be getting into some more weighty, specific questions about Christians and politics, and we will get to that. But this is just our way of easing in because listeners need a little bit of time to... Uh, That's right. And like, the atmosphere in the room is frosty, so whoa. we really need to, need to thaw it out. We need to break down some barriers <laughs> first and, and get this man to open up because uh, he's so guarded with all those appearances on <laughs> such friendly networks. Martin, uh, you lead an organisation that has the word lobby in it, and you are a public figure. And not only are you a public figure, I think it would be safe to say you are the highest profile Christian public figure in Australia. Perhaps even you could claim or you would have a claim to being the highest profile Australian Christian uh, globally. A lot of people I encounter, both fans and detractors, and I hope I'm not bursting any bubbles here. What but do you mean there's detractors? I, 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 have, I have encountered... Actually, I want to say, what do detractor. you mean there's fans? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and they, I think they unambiguously regard you as a kind of political figure. And I, I, I'm interested in knowing in your own self-view. Are you a political activist, a, a political leader, a political commentator, or do you view your public role in particular as something sitting outside of politics or transcending politics? That is a very good question. Um, the reality is that I'm the managing director of a lobby, as you said. So, um, And ACL has always been a movement that is concerned with politics. Um, it's interesting, though, it wasn't long after I took the role that I started wanting to separate myself from the, you know, down and dirty, sleeves rolled up, politics and lobbying and all that kind of stuff, the day-to-day business of politics. Uh, I thought that's something I'd really like to take a higher level approach to. Uh, And I would like to structure the organisation such there are other people that are involved in that day-to-day, so it's consuming their mind. Because I decided early on that what we really needed in this country was uh, an activated movement of Christians who would uh, stand up for what was right uh, when that was needed. And I've seen my uh, role particularly more akin to ACL's tagline, which is Truth Made Public. Uh, And so what I try and do to the very best of my ability is um, speak truth, and by truth I mean God's truth that is grounded in God's word, biblical truth, um, and and truth about the world, uh, on public issues. Um, And so I see ACL as having a voice of truth, um, much like many Christians hope that the church has and that churches have and that even Christian figures have. But our area of specialty is the public squares. And that's the difference. So it's truth made public. Mm -hmm. And I see my role very much along those lines. Uh, Can I ask, because one of the motifs, if you like, only an intellectual would use that word, (laughs) one of the things that... uh, (laughs) 
is quite popular in political theology is this is the term sort of prophetic that is one approach of engagement in the public square as a christian or a church is a kind of prophetic engagement i guess akin to the old testament prophets telling kings and leaders Hmm. uh, god's truth or i guess in that context it was visions of the future and the like i just wonder based on what you said this this word prophetic popped into my mind and i'm not suggesting for a moment because i'm anticipating you you, you may uh, be very uncomfortable with the term prophet, but I'm talking, is your role in some way prophetic? That is, mm. you're sort of speaking truth to power as a kind of, you know, kind of Christian prophetic tradition, perhaps. I think that's right. So I totally take, I don't use the word prophet or prophetic very often because it means so many different things. Mm-hmm. But in the sense that you've described it, um, which is that, you know, in every generation, uh, there is a call on the church and on Christians to proclaim hard truths of the day in the public squares to ears that may or may not listen. Uh, And that really is ACL's job. And uh, the lot of a prophet uh, is not always fantastic. (laughs) You know, you look at, I think even Jesus uses them as the example of persecution. He says, Mm -hmm. so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So they're they're always there in in that awkward place where people don't always welcome them. But they are always there to bring the hard truths um, of God to a generation. And for me, I find those hard truths in the Word of God itself. Mm-hmm. And that's why when I do my, um, uh, you mentioned the truth of it, and even when I go on mainstream media, I try very hard to draw people back to those mm-hmm. foundations. I don't try very hard to draw people back to vote Liberal or vote Labor. I try and draw them back to those foundations. Mm-hmm. So I do see myself, I suppose, uh, as being given that that ministry, for, for lack of a better phrase. Great. Well, that's a nice segue because you, you mentioned Liberal and Labor. Uh, also, in my travels, my extensive uh, surveying of people's views of you, and I do, I do follow you on social media a bit because it's interesting to see what's going. And, of course, I, I watch ABC <coughs> very occasionally and some of the commercial networks. So I have seen you in the, the public eye. I, th- I think most people, if you ask, ask them, both supporters and perhaps let's call them skeptics to be charitable, particularly Christians, but also non-Christians. They would, if you ask them, look, what what do you think the kind of political views of Martin Isles and the Australian Christian lobby are? I suspect they're going to say conservative. Um, how do you? Is that true? Are you a conservative? Is the organisation conservative or? Is it more complex than that? <clears throat> I think it's more complex than that <clears throat> um, uh, in the sense that I think, so you could ask the question, you know, um, are Christians conservative or is ACL conservative? It may appear conservative or a Christian person or myself, I might appear conservative to an onlooker because a lot of the things I believe seem to align with what they think of when they think of a conservative. But the question is not what I appear to be. The question is what's actually making me tick. Mm -hmm. What's the architecture of the way I'm thinking? And I'm not reading conservative philosophers and Mm -hmm. saying, this is my bread and butter. This is my lifeblood. This is how I want to think. How can I be more conservative? (laughs) You know, that's that's never happened (laughs) in my life. I've read a number of those books, but um, that's not ever been what I try to make me tick. I mean, um, I want to have the basic architecture of my mind and philosophy informed by the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and to that end, uh, I spend far more time reading, studying the Bible, uh, and not just 
just in a political context, mm-hmm. but just reading and studying it, because I want to understand really what those words are conveying. Um, because if you believe that the Bible is in the inspired word of God, mm-hmm. you believe that you can learn of the mind of God by getting a stronger and a stronger apprehension of the whole. Uh, and so that's what I do. And so I then go forward and say, well, this is a Christian point of view. Uh, this is what I believe um, uh, the, the Christian answer to that question is. And onlookers will go, that sounds like a conservative opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I go, well, all right, it might, it might not. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's not really the, the, the primary question in my mind. I do think, I do think it's almost a bit of a risk sometimes um, that we get conformed to a political silo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and look, I'm as at risk of that as anybody, because very quickly you find people who tend to agree with you. Mm-hmm. And you'll find that the people who tend to agree with you will come from a political camp or maybe two political camps, and you'll start to get drawn in. And I find a lot of even Christian folk these days probably spend far more time listening to political podcasts mm. than they do. Uh, <laughs> like the political animals available every Monday. Thank That's you. right. It's like the political animals <laughs> available every Monday. But all that means is don't stop listening to the political animals. Just listen to more sermons. <laughs> you know, balance it out, you know. And so they, they spend more time on the politics than they do on, I guess, the theology. Uh, and I, 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 that, that worries me a bit. I think, um, I think we, we need to be Christian first in our architecture, mm-hmm. our approach, our mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then whatever that begins to look like externally, so be it. That's a really important, but I imagine difficult distinction to maintain. Because, oh, yeah. um, you know, you're, it sounds to me just sort of interpreting what you're saying that you, you have a kind of biblically based and biblically formed um, view of the political world, and you are trying to act faithfully yeah. with what you encounter in Scripture. Now, it just so happens that some of those those issues seem to gel with issues that your died in the wall sort of let's call them ideological conservatives are going to support, and mm-hmm. they're going to make some let's call them progress- progressive Christians or maybe left leaning centre left sure. Christians nervous, <clears throat> and yep. so. You don't. There's only. Uh, there's a limited extent to which you can control <laughs> the perception about what's driving Definitely. you, and people can't yep. get into your heart and soul exactly. and mind. Yep. And I guess a movement like the Australian Christian Lobby is going to attract a certain support base. And again, even as the managing director, you can't control. <laughs> you don't have complete control e- over exactly yeah, who follows right. you on Facebook and yep. who is into the organisation, who's not, and yep. so. I, I'm just wondering if one of the the sort of complications that perhaps, um, if you like, massacres that nuance in your position, which you've just articulated, which I thought was really fascinating, is it perhaps that the um, whilst it's not some kind of conservative philosophical dogma that's driving your political engagement and beliefs, hmm. is it possible that the the base, horrible political term of the Australian Christian Lobby yep, is yep. conservative in, that, in a more sort of um, technical sense. Oh, that sounds horrible. But you know I think what? that's definitely possible, yeah. And um, uh, one of the things is, you know, if you, if, you, if you have a certain audience who are particularly enthusiastic in their motivation to support you, that's one thing. 
Uh, also, um, if you live in a country that just so happens to have two major political parties mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you seem to agree more often with one than the other, again, people will say, well, you're just beating the drum for the Liberal Party. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, newsflash, I'm not actually a Liberal, mm -hmm. it can, like in, in terms of the way I think and the way I mm -hmm. approach things. I've, mm -hmm. I've been to Liberal functions, I've li listened to Liberal Party speeches, and I'm sitting there going, this ain't me. Yeah. You know, I don't believe in this creed. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that there's a lot about it that I like, and there's a few things that really concern me mm -hmm. um, and so that's not what's making me tick I'm mm -hmm. not just here to, what, to, to, to you know get the pom-poms out and do the dance for a particular mm -hmm. party mm -hmm. or indeed a particular base you know <laughs> you're, you're envisaging me doing uh, a dance uh, aren't you uh, I did yeah <laughs> that was like quite a, a vision <laughs> be like, a, be like a dancing giraffe with very limited coordination uh, but, <laughs> but you know and, and, and in terms of a base yes that's also another thing you know they may say hey I like the way you're talking because you sound conservative so I'm going to start following you but what I always try and do with my communications and certainly on the truth of it is anybody who seriously engages with what I say they may indeed find that actually the stuff I talk about tends to be issues that concern conservatives mm -hmm. That's, that may mm -hmm. well be true mm -hmm. um, but I hope that they find once they see the way I'm talking about it that it is actually Christian Mm -hmm. uh, and I, 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 I seldom fail to make that connection. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, I'm never going to be perfect at doing that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, part of it fills me with trepidation because, uh, you know, there's a sense in which you're saying, this is how this connects in with, say, the Bible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you, you've got to be darn well sure that you're roughly accurate when you do that. Uh, and so that always that always concerns me. But that is the effort that, that yeah. I'm undertaking. Yeah. I just want to backtrack to something really interesting that you you touched on in one of your previous answers and that was it made me you seem to be suggesting and so I want to draw this out and see if that that was implicit in what you're saying <coughs> that uh, we live in a hyper political age it seems to me a hyper politicized age and I just wonder and this is a really interesting question for someone who again heads a lobby and is a kind of public figure with if you like a political profile who people identify with one political movement or the other. Do you think the church is, in a way, I'm not quite sure how to frame this, but it's becoming politicized and sucked into mm. politics and that Christians <clears throat> are becoming more politically divided perhaps today than they have been theologically divided. That's not to suggest that we, we don't have theological divisions. I think we can take that as... Uh, <laughs> not needing justification <laughs> sure. but it, I, I just wonder if political differences are either attaching themselves to theological differences and exacerbating those differences mm. and creating some new realignments because conservative Catholics and conservative Protestants um, are often find themselves in the trenches today in a way that a generation or two ago was unimaginable given they couldn't mm. walk into each other's churches and it was difficult to <laughs> marry across the, the uh, sectarian divide hmm. so I know I'm sort of spouting out all kinds of things here and you can grab onto whatever you want uh, and respond however you want but I just hmm. wonder and you're kind of at the coalface of this you, you do a lot of engagement with churches so you know that side you hmm. have engagement with politicians and you're in the public square so you have a sense of what what it's like to be part of the conversation and I'm, I'm going to guess and correct me if I'm wrong that you probably hear occasionally from Christians that have a different political view, notwithstanding your careful clarification about the conservatism versus yes. uh, Bible-based, let's call it political theology for one of a 
Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I've got, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to describe all of your views in highly intellectual that terms, is, but feel free to reject them. That's right. That's right. Put them, put them in better I'll, English. Co- I'll correct you if any yeah, of them are, yeah. are grossly wrong, Jonathan. So hopefully in that absolute ramble, there was mm. some something actually, that made sense. I, I completely get what you're saying, and I so resonate with it. And you mentioned politicization, and I think that the, the – and everything has become political, everything. You know, even kids these days, they are so jolly mm-hmm. political in a way that, you know, even, you know, uh, I wasn't in school that long ago, mm-hmm. but we, we just didn't think about these yeah. things. But everything's political, weaponized in the political realm. Um, and I think that one of the real um, challenges to the church here, uh, and I see this, and I see this in the rank and file. So what I, you know, ACL supporters are, are what I offer, they are quiet Australians. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're rank and file church attendees. Uh, they're people who work in the real world uh, in quite normal jobs, mm-hmm. uh, go to church on Sunday. They love their Bible. They love God. They, 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 they want to be Christians. They want to be active Christians. Um, and uh, I don't just see this um, playing out in rank and file church members, but I see this playing out in church leadership as well, which is that we are starting to imbibe something of the spirit of the age in this respect, which is this belief that the solutions ultimately lie in political power. Mm-hmm. So if we could just, it is also an overestimation of the human condition, because what you're saying is if we could just politicize everything Mm -hmm. and thereby get political power over Mm -hmm. it with our political ideas, then we can usher in some kind of transformation. Mm -hmm. And one of the huge concerns going on, I think, in the conservative Christian world, uh, which I think is the majority of Christians, um, is that there is this this kind of, coupled with this concern for faith, is this anxiety about cultural change. And the fact that actually we can't really claim that the uh, beliefs of Christians are any longer um, the things that are guiding the mindsets and activities of you know our public figures and our institutions and all that kind of stuff. And so there is a there is a sudden um, cry for uh, political power over those things once again. Uh, but to and people say to me all the time, you know, when you if you ran for office, you could do more. Oh, really? <laughs> if you just had the political power, you know, now I know enough about politics to know that nobody ever has that kind of political power. Yeah. You know, yeah. the, the system yeah. is such that you, you don't ever get there, you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I have no desire whatsoever to, 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 to become a politician. Um, but there is that threat that's there, which is if only we could get the political mm. power, we could solve the problem. And it might surprise people to know, I do not believe that. Mm. And I don't believe that for half a second. I think that the solution is evangelism. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone's going to sit there and go, hey, what? <laughs> you know, what are you doing? And I guess the difference with me is that I think that um, what, what Christians do in the public squares um, ought to be properly understood and properly conceived. It ought to be evangelism. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's an evangelical understanding of evangelism, which is that it's when you have a conversation about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I disagree. I think that is evangelism, and that's very important evangelism, and that's where that's always what you've got to bring people back to. But I've always believed that your whole life is evangelism. Uh, growing up, my parents actually saw more converts through the through the Christian life of my parents because of their family life mm-hmm. than for any other reason. And that was the thing that drew people in. And I find that the things we say in public, uh, the th- causes we stand for in public, properly grounded, are to be grounded in a desire to point people back to those foundations that drive us for evangelism. Mm-hmm. And it will only be when people are transformed from within 
that you will get the political transformation mm-hmm. you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not even the point. Uh, that may come and it would come, mm-hmm. but the point is the evangelism side of things. And uh, and this is where I think it, it does people's heads in a bit with ACL because there are people out there who are sincerely convinced that the things we say and do put people off. Mm, yeah. Um, but I'm here to tell you they actually don't. They put you off, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. they don't put people off on the whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will get exactly the dynamic you would expect, which is that to some the aroma of life, to others the stench of death. Mm-hmm. You get, uh, as Jesus says, when you're salt and when you're light, you get the persecution and you get the people seeing your good works and glorifying your Father. You get both. And I'm mm-hmm. very comfortable with mm-hmm. both. I've always been comfortable with both. If there's heat, you go, oh, well, maybe the heat's a good sign because I see over here there's fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get both of those things. So it would be surprising to people to hear me say, I don't think political power is the answer. Mm-hmm. Never have. And that's actually not primarily what I'm trying to encourage people to do. I'm trying to mobilize a grassroots of people who will be salt and light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm always saying in the in the Zoom conferences we do and in the prep talks we do, I'm always saying, why are we here? Ultimately to point people back mm-hmm. to what's driving us, to get people interested, to awaken people to what's going on and all this kind of stuff. I think that is evangelism as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we should never fail to get to the foundation, and I, I do in my communications, uh, but um, you know, it, it can sometimes begin at that periphery, whether it's your family life, whether it's your public life, whether it's your beliefs about the world, whether it's the things you're doing on the ground, mm-hmm. whatever it is. So uh, that's, a, again, a long-winded answer to, um, to that question. And I guess, just thinking about this, you know, obviously certain Christians might have a theological quibble here or there with you, you know, I don't like your exegesis on this one passage or I've got a slightly different view or a wildly different view or whatever, or, you know, I'd rather hear you preaching about issue X and focus less on issue um, Y. But I I guess the, the point I hear you making is that if you're going to introduce the the gospel to a society that no longer knows it because it, I mean I'm 44 years old and I meet people my age yes who literally know nothing yes. they've grown up in in Australia where you don't even by osmosis pick up even basic things I mean they know nothing about churches I mean they've Correct. heard of Jesus yep. they know he's central to the religion of Christianity but they couldn't tell you much. And often what they can tell you will sound bizarre to a believer because they've misconstrued all kinds of, pulled in different, <laughs> yep. you know, they read they read that uh, Da Vinci Code book or something and they, yep. they've, they've taken that as gospel. Yep. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess, I guess, would it be fair to say that, that something you have understood, perhaps not uniquely, there are other public Christian voices doing a kind of evangelism, is that, if, if you're going to introduce people to the Christian story and message today, you can't really just isolate it from life and everything that's going on. People exactly. want a faith that helps. That's real. That's real, livable. And realistic. And explains, <laughs> illuminates, and helps guide them through Absolutely. the actual reality in which they live. And so I, I just throw that out there because I wonder if sometimes maybe the critics, I'm guessing, or some critics, again, if, let's say, if there are critics. If there are, Jonathan. I mean, I don't know who you're talking about. but <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> perhaps they don't like what they would regard as the political um, hue, the political colour yes. that you give, you package the gospel in. But, of course, 
and there are there are some prominent um, ev- evangelical evangelist figures that we don't mm. need to to name, who I think do take a kind of non they 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 have a more what I would I guess they would perhaps call is a sort of non political <laughs> approach that is I'm going to focus on the gospel and not and and steer a wide berth from any sensitive issue that as you say might put off mm. people mm. but of course <clears throat> perhaps they misunderstand that um, I think people do want because there's not a lot of guidance today life is complex it's kind of in in flux we've all I mean we, we're, <laughs> we're conducting this this discussion at mm. the back end of a pandemic that hasn't finished and we've seen uh, a year to end all years in American politics, protests, yep. you, you name it. There's yep. life, there's a lot, lot of concerning elements to life and people are struggling to understand. And mm. as the father of a um, eight-year-old going through a state school, yeah, they, they, they get the basics. They learn how to read and write. And there's, yes. there's, uh, there are certain political focuses on climate and indigenous. Yes. My, my son's school, interestingly enough, in the ACT doesn't seem to focus on the LGBTIQ issues, which might surprise some people in the ACT. But they don't, they, they stick away from morality and, and any of the kind of things that are going to help a human being yeah, <laughs> understand right. who they are yes. and what their place is in the world. Because the message they're given is you've got to discover that yourself, buddy, mm. and it can be whatever you want. Mm, you exactly. can change genders. It's just a, you can, it's just a menu. Yeah, well, and, and there's no up, there's no down, there's no left or right, there's no boundaries, there's no. It's just, just, just anything. That's right, and you just be you, and you can go through a hundred transitions throughout your life that's from right. different identities and and whatever. And so I think that's, I think that's, that's causing anxiety actually for young people. But well, yeah. I wonder if, if, yeah. if in some ways, and and <laughs> I'll try and find my way to a question at some point, <laughs> some, some point. You will hear from Martin again at some time before this podcast ends, but. I wonder if, on the one hand, some of those, let's call them uh, non-political, evangelical voices in the public um, square, I wonder if some, in some ways they have subtly imbibed that kind of relativity. And mm. so they're afraid to take a stand on an issue like sexuality because it's seen as an obstacle to the gospel in a world where that's highly controversial mm. and no one wants to hear about it. And mm. and I, I'm not, I don't mean this as a criticism. I'm trying to give a sympathetic view here. They, Their key thing is to get people to understand who Jesus is and Absolutely, what yeah. the cross means and the resurrection. And yep. then... And I'm all in favour of that. And I guess they know, figure yeah. all that other stuff can, we can sort it out. That's right. Whereas you're taking a, a much more, if you like, you're, you're putting a peg in the ground <laughs> and you are connecting your message, which let's face it, face it is, is more or less the same because mm. you're reading the same scripture as some other prominent sure. figures in Australia, but you are taking stands, I guess you have to as the managing director of, of <laughs> course, <laughs> but <laughs> you're doing it out of conviction too because I know you a little bit. And so you put a stake in the ground and there's no issue <laughs> that, uh, that scares you away. Mm. And I just, I wonder what you make of that as a sort of, completely garbled explanation mm. <laughs> for ha- no, perhaps I, two, I, again, I get it. two different strategies and I'm not mm. and again I'm trying I'm, I'm trying to suggest I, I get the logic of both strategies yes. I guess but yes. and so perhaps that would clarify for some of your um, critics in inverted yep. commas again if they exist we don't know if there are any 
you're very generous. <laughs> More fans than critics, I hope. But yeah. Well, you're. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Well, well, you could you could play the game of comparing um, followings, and you would come out pretty well. Well, this is this is this is what gives me great encouragement is that is that ACL is so unbelievably well supported. Mm. So you know, there's there's always that. Uh, but I think what you're saying in in in, in that that preamble um, is <laughs> that's, a, that's a kind way of describing that is um, uh, is something that is that is really touching on something. I remember I I said to somebody once, you know, I, f- I feel like I do reverse sermons. Uh, you know, where let's like say you let's say you do have a preacher who's not afraid to deal with anything, uh, and he might read a passage in the Bible, and then he might apply it to culture. Uh, I'm doing the reverse. I'm saying to people, do you know, this issue is pressing on you. You're interested. You're thinking about this. And I think I think churches need to understand this. The people in their pews are deeply, deeply concerned, if not consumed, with the way the world around them is playing mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. and the issues they're facing. And they don't have the architecture and they don't have the words and they don't quite know how to grapple with it. Uh, and I'm saying, you know, that issue. And they're all going, yes, yes, I know that issue. And then drawing back into mm-hmm. scripture, usually, um, and it's a reverse sermon in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a reflection. I mean, I think that that is a completely valid approach, if not an effective approach, because what we're seeing at the moment is that in this day in which we live, in fact, it was it was Dr. Peter Jones, who is a uh, Presbyterian minister and academic from the US, actually from the UK, but lives in the US. And he made an interesting point at one of our conferences. You know, he said, he said, in this day and age, everything is theological. It used to be that we had such shared convictions around issues of deep cultural and political significance. We had a certain level of shared conviction. And so even prime ministers, even politicians didn't have to talk about them or grapple with them. You didn't have to try and figure out whether there's more than men and women. You didn't have to deal with the gender spectrum. Mm-hmm. Like Nobody thought that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an issue. But that's something very, very deep about the whole created order, actually. Uh, and so we didn't go there. And I think actually pastors and, 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 and churchmen and, and, and religious institutions were in the same boat. You, you didn't really have to make that the priority. Uh, but what we've seen is that because of a change in people's beliefs around what really matters, and, and I believe their faith in God, frankly, um, you have seen a, a, a radical undermining of that consensus. And so now everyone's sitting around confused. And I'll tell you who the most confused people are. They're my generation. Mm. They're my peers. It's the Jordan Peterson generation. Mm. I mean, we all saw that Jordan Peterson moment and mm. how mm. unbelievably powerful it was. And I was sitting here thinking about taking over this job at the time. And I thought, it's, it's tragic to me that these young men, I went to a Jordan Peterson event, I was surrounded by young men my age, mm. surrounded. And I started talking to some of them. All of them reported, you know, the fact that life, they found life meaningless. They all didn't know, you know, they were all single and they didn't know what to do with themselves. They all felt like they hadn't achieved, which for a young guy is really significant and important. Um, and they, they had this, this listlessness, this lack of direction. And in the Q&A afterwards, you had people saying, you know, I, I was going to commit suicide. Mm. Uh, and Jordan Peterson comes along and says, here's truth and meaning. And those are the words he used. Truth and meaning, truth and meaning. That's what he kept on saying. And foundations. And these people are 
lapping it up like it's you know it, it's just it, it's unbelievable they'll sit there i actually looked around one hour into this lecture and all these people they weren't all guys and certainly later on he got a much bigger female following as well they were leaning forward in their chairs mm. like hanging on every word and I thought, wow, this is what the education style and the, uh, the, the, the cultural assumptions of the last few decades have done to a generation. They've left them confused and empty. Mm. Uh, and they've left them going, well, who am I even? What is life even about? What's the narrative? What's the point? Uh, and they're sitting there having been told you can be anything, you can do anything, it doesn't matter, everything's good, nothing's bad. And they've got no up and down and it's leading them nowhere. And at 30, they feel it. Mm -hmm. uh, they feel it. It starts to bite, particularly for, well, actually, no, young men and women, actually. It's, it's equal on both sides. Um, and I'm sitting here going, it, it actually was a cause of, I thought it was a tragedy that these people had to go to Jordan Peterson. I thought, why? Why are they not getting this kind of clarity, this kind of, this, and, and to be Jordan Peterson took guts man like it oh, i nearly said man like he does it's all guts man <laughs> you need that canadian accent <laughs> i know i do i mean it really did take guts to do what he did and that was part of the appeal because well, this guy's got courage yeah authenticity and i found the same thing when i did the israel Folau stuff young people suddenly mm. flocked in because they saw somebody who they thought was courageous mm. uh, and had the courage of conviction and they want to know what's going on there because they they feel that they don't have it and I thought, why is there no Christian who can do this? Mm. Uh, and uh, I thought, look, maybe we can help to contribute something in this space. And what I'm doing is I'm trying to go to a generation of people. Indeed, a whole, it's not just a generation. I mean, our support base is every age. Um, and I'm trying to say, do you know, actually, your faith ha wholly comprehends the realities of your world. Uh, your beliefs are well-placed. And they do understand what's going on around you. And when people make that connection, it's like electricity. Mm. They absolutely, and this is something I learned, they just love it. And, and I found particularly young people, we do our GPS programs and these kinds of things with all these youth that come together. And I think we've got about 100 applicants in the system at the moment for the next one, which is in January. And they come along and you see they desperately want to have confidence. They want to believe what they believe. Uh, and when you give them the tools, the light goes on. Uh, and just to give one other story on this front as, a, as an evangelistic thing, to meet people in those conundrums of life and say, you know what, there's answers. And they're answers that come from the God of the universe who knits it all together, right? And so it's completely coherent. Uh, just one of, our one of our staff members was calling out volunteers the other day, people who registered to volunteer. And we do a sort of a, a bit of a vetting process to make sure that there's no, you know, activists that have snuck in and are going to, you know, try and try and cause trouble. Right. And one of the questions they ask is, you know, what church do you go to? And this uh, young woman on the end of the line said, uh, I, I don't. And the, the staff member said, oh, you know, why is that? She said, well, I've only just become a Christian. Uh, and she said, oh, wow, you know, congratulations. Oh, it's wonderful, you know. And said, tell me, how did that happen? And she said, well, it happened through watching your videos. And she said, oh, tell me more about that. And this young woman was uh, heavily involved in the New Age movement. And she discovered a Truth of It clip and started watching. And then she watched another and another and another and another. And she said at the end of every clip, she said, it was like a voice was saying to me, Christ alone, Christ alone, Christ alone. And she said, you know, and then she prayed and, you know, was converted. 
and she said, and I've been asking, I've been praying that God would help me to do what to do next. Uh, and so we connected up with the church. Wow. Uh, and it was an amazing story. And it's not the only person like that. And so the, to the skeptics who say, no, no, evangelism has to be done a certain way. Mm. It's got to be packaged into a certain system that is determined, frankly, by academic institutions these days. I say, actually, evangelism is much wider. Mm. Uh, it's much, much wider. And uh, it plays out in the real world through all sorts of different contact points. Um, and I think that what we're doing now is actually meeting culture at a particular point, which is very, very salient, very timely. Um, and we're seeing the fruits of that. So, um, yeah, I think people people actually are looking for the narrative. Yeah. Postmodernism killed narratives, but it's really interesting. It's almost coming full circle. You've got young people who are saying, no, I actually want a narrative. Yeah. I, I want to know how it all, all ties together so I know which way to go. Uh, and that's where this comes in. People want something to believe in. Because if you yes. have something to believe in, you have something to live for. Correct. That gives you a reason to live for others. Yep. And we live in a society in which, as you say, people are just aimless because they're not given That's <laughs> any right. guidance. They don't know where to go. <laughs> and, actually, and actually, my profession, academia, has to take a lot of responsibility for this because what you get these days, if you, particularly if you do an arts humanities course, is it's all about breaking down your intellect, getting rid of all of these stupid ideas you have right. <laughs> that are the very things we're talking about. Well, it doesn't even you... have to be Christianity. Something, yeah. something, a, a definite understanding of reality and who you are and your mm. place in it. So their first task is to break all that down and wash it out and empty you into some em empty vessel. It's a university that did an unlearning. A campaign well, yeah. that was based on oh unlearn. really well that that, that I mean yeah. that, that sounds ridiculous I think but it was UQ actually I might I might have misspoke but carry on well <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay let's let's not go there um, and then what they do is reconstruct all kinds of crazy theories that tell you reality is not what you see it's some weird thing you could never suspect or guess and it's only if we break you down and then indoctrinate you and sort of give you <laughs> the hardware right? so that you can see actually gender is just a made up social construct mm. which defies everything that a two year old knows. I mentioned I have an eight year old son and one of the really interesting things, and I'll add an, an anecdote from a progressive colleague, an atheist actually that supports this. It was, I was really interested it's very interesting to raise a child in this age you're talking about so my, my son's obviously mm. a generation behind sure the jordan peterson mm. uh generation but a kid works out immediately very young as early as they can talk that there are men and women because they notice that they're right they Observation have they skills. have a certain body yep. mom and dad have different bodies and there's something called a girl and a boy this is one of the earliest concepts yeah they they get i actually had a friend who's a really progressive atheist who tried to one of these guys, and there are many girls like this too, tried to raise his son, who's a couple of years older than mine. Mm. You know, he tried to really encourage this idea that there's no gender and all this stuff, and he tried to get him to wear pink clothes and all this, and his son rejected it all, would mm. not touch pink. Mm. And he said he eventually gave up and realized actually there are differences <laughs> between. He couldn't, surprise. he couldn't deny the reality <laughs> yeah, right. that actually, and, and again, there are obviously exceptions. Like, of course, when we talk about uh, the human being, we we deal 
You're dealing in the generic rules and generalizations. If we can't yeah. deal in the generic, we the can't generic, actually yeah. think and communicate at of all. Of course. But what we what we mistake now is that the we think when we see an exception or yes. an outlier, we think it destroys the rule. Yeah, we have to deconstruct mm. the rule, and guess, this gets back to my point about the universities. So mm. they have really taken this point to an extreme, which mm. is, you know, if if there were one human being born amongst the six or seven billion human beings on the planet that let's say was was a minotaur then we would they a lot of academics would immediately jump and say okay we've got to now throw out a whole bunch of things we thought about what defined the human being and let's get rid of the notion of species and subspecies Mm. and uh like they they just jump at the moment there is some kind of let's call it aberration and i mean that in a kind of neutral sense something that doesn't fit yeah the general order and so we're now in a world where we have to pretend there is no order right for the sake of the aberrations yep and that's what i actually think is going on with the transgender issue and i so know true. i know that brands me as transphobic but i think the mistake we've made and i'll put this in christian terms instead of uh loving people that that suffer what i believe is a tragic illness of some sort a mysterious one that we're still trying to understand yep. where they they have a kind of inner torment in the mind where they are not yes comfortable there's no denying that some people have this clearly yes. if you're going to go and as far serious. as yeah. yeah but the percentages are so low that 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 is yes. not actually evidence that gender is a construct that is evidence that not everyone <laughs> exactly has an easy time with gender now that shouldn't be hard to understand because there are people who are schizophrenic and there are people with all kinds of birth defects and the the fact that the odd person is born with other kinds of dysphorias as well that's right gender's not the only one but the point is we don't re we don't say well we can't have the concept of human being because a small percentage of people are born with a third nipple or one extra finger or something that like, you can still maintain, and I think the fear is, and this says something about a real weakness in our society, that we mm. can't deal with difference. That is, rather than just finding ways to deal um, lovingly mm. with people who suffer with some kind of biological aberrational deformity, mm. instead, to incorporate those people into society, we have to do things that just defy the common sense of a two-year-old and it just Mm. seems to me i i I don't i can't even tell you maybe you have an idea here and we're kind of way off topic in a way but i don't (laughs) i've i spend a lot of time trying to ponder what what's the root of this why why have we decided why have we become so fearful of difference Mm. is it actually that we're quite nasty and we we treat people (laughs) Well, that's with difference. Well, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a skeptic of the human condition, so I think that could be part of it. Um, but I think what's happened is that um, it seems to me we've done away with the rules. You know, and I say you know, rules is not a popular way to put it, but the, the the principles that are true. You know, we've basically said, oh, look, there's people who don't fit that principle, mm-hmm. and we've used that as a weapon to deconstruct and destroy the principle. Yeah. Uh, and in many of these cases, I, I, I find this quite diabolical, and I mean that in the true sense of the word, mm-hmm. because in so many of these cases, you find that the, the weaponization is designed to bring down a, good, a really good principle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mostly they're principles which are, which are um, drawn from what we as Christians would call creation ordinances. So it is stuff like gender. It is stuff like the family. It is stuff like marriage. It is stuff, you, know, you can think of quite a 
for you. Uh, you know, even even the idea of, of, of justice is now being called oppressive because the rules of justice apparently marginalise people of different ethnicities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's sort of the movement for black lives and things like that have, have bought into that and are making that a big deal. And again, right and wrong was, was established way back when the creation ordinances were established and the fact that judgment comes when wrong is done. But we're now saying all those rules, we're going to weaponize against them and destroy them and bring them down and say they don't, they don't exist. But what we're seeing, and the gender example is a really good one, uh, because what we're seeing is that actually all along, these rules, quote-unquote, all these principles, were actually compassionate. Mm. They were actually good. They were actually for, for the overwhelming blessing of people and of humanity. Um, and it's also interesting to me that as these areas have become more and more controversial, because they're more and more being used as wedges to, to attack the principles at play. Um, I think from within churches and Christian circles, we've obediently withdrawn our voice from those areas. Not universally, mm-hmm. but far too much. Um, for example, I actually think that the gender issue we're dealing with today probably goes all the way back to um, when you had feminism coming through the ranks and the church did not add its voice or or unashamedly apply its doctrine to the feminism debate. Uh, and so you had a, a changing of the guard, I guess, on male-female. And I'm mm-hmm. not here to say whether it was all bad or all good. Uh, it was a mixed bag, right? Mm-hmm. So they had a changing of the guard on male and female, and the church just backed off because they said, man, that's so... And it really is controversial. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to you want to see explosions. You know, you, you talk about that stuff. Uh, and that was part you of... You just did. <laughs> oh, exactly. Well, I haven't, I haven't actually declared any principles. <laughs> you're, trying to, you're trying to get me cancelled. That's right. Although I'm doing a pretty good job myself. Well, well, well Jordan... Pe- yeah, you don't need any help, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jordan Peterson, um, his bravery is that he deals with this issue. Yeah. And it's interesting to me that young people, they go for it like a moth to the light. Mm. If he says, do you know what? This is actually what women are like. Now, if he says things like, yeah, you know what, when you, do you know actually men and women are different? And do you know that when you go into, a, say, a Nordic country where the gender differences mm. are minimized, mm. actually the way people behave is maximizing its difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of a sudden you do get women not going after engineering and science. All of a sudden you do get them going into um, uh, uh, professions that are more people-based. Mm-hmm. You do get men interested in things and women interested in people. You do, And he says all these things and people are like, I know this is true. Like... Mm. And no one has had the guts to tell them. And I think that that is actually wreaking havoc on the, um, uh, on the aimlessness of their lives because they don't even know what it means to be a man. Mm. They don't know what it means to be a woman. Yeah. Now, grandma can't see that because when grandma grew up, man and woman was baked into the fabric of culture. And then I think there's a lot of older people in the church who never saw this coming mm. because for them it was already in the architecture mm-hmm. of the way they were raised. But their grandchildren are in such a different position where they don't understand anything about this anymore. Uh, And I think it's been anything but compassionate. It's been anything but reasonable. It's been anything but attractive for the church to walk away from these issues. And yeah, you know, when people like me go do the charge of the light brigade and go running in on this stuff and go, yep, we're going to say it. And I've got to the point now where there's just nothing I won't say because I thought I've realized more and more when I say nothing, I don't want, uh, there's no issue that I won't address. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, because I've realized more and more that the very issues which have that stronger, strongest force field around them keeping you out mm-hmm. are the very issues that are, that are in people's minds and they really, really want clarity on and that they're grateful to receive the clarity yeah. on. Uh, and again, it's an opportunity to say, well, this is the principle, this is the source, 
And this is why it's mm. good. And you're finding that young people are intuiting this more and more, the ones that are questioning and opening. They're going, you know what? I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I'm not even sure how we got onto that. But um, <laughs> that, 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 that to me highlights, I think, a, a big gap in, in, in the Christian world has been for some time to avoid these issues because they're controversial. Mm-hmm. I think that's actually been harmful. Yeah. yeah. Let me uh, – I will – just change gears slightly, but this yes. is this will coherently fit into all of the themes we're talking about. We've covered just about enough themes to go any direction from here. But the uh, let me ask you this: I'm going to turn one of the something we discussed earlier around and turn it into a question. And we, I think you raised this actually. And apologies if it was me, but it kind of doesn't matter, I guess. The I think you suggested, and I, and I totally agree from my observation that for some. Christian voices in the public domain who are trying to achieve similar things to you, it seems to me. They're trying to introduce people to the gospel. We don't need to re-rehearse this. Um, And they, I think you suggested, they see some of the issues we've just been discussing. We just hit a few. (laughs) We just like like nailed a whole bunch of things that it it almost doesn't matter what you say on the gender, male-female differences. You're going to get nailed just for having the temerity to even broach the topic like yep. there's no way you can go for some a certain segment of society and so they they see these kind of issues we just discussed and mm-hmm. and you, you are a, a loud prominent public voice on some of these issues as obstacles to um the gospel i wonder if we could just turn that round uh do you think um from the perspective of certain let's call them more progressive Christian voices in public, for whom, and I'm going to rattle off a whole bunch of issues, and these issues are entirely safe. And I I actually think these are all, as well, very important issues. And that is uh, the plight of Indigenous people in Australia. Oh, yes, yep. Reckoning with the history of white settlement, which is not all bad, like critical race theorists say, but let's let's just be honest. The the record is mixed at, at best. And it has left a legacy, in, and I think that's yep. undeniable. So there, and there, there are outstanding political questions there. There's the whole issue of the climate, and I know this this issue sort of divides conservatives. But um, given we all breathe the air, we could probably all at least agree that the mm. health of the climate, <laughs> yes, is if nothing else an important issue. And obviously, if you accept the science. Um, I actually do myself, but we don't need to go into that debate. I'm not looking to have a debate there, and I don't know what your views are, and I don't really mind what they are. But the point is that climate is an important issue because you have pollution and sure. degradation. We need to be able to grow stuff in the ground <laughs> to, to oh, feed yeah, ourselves. Oh, yeah, yeah, sustainability and, and then all that. Yep, there's no the issue of poverty. Yep. You know, you can't walk down a city <clears> street anywhere, virtually anywhere in the world, and not realise there are there – are, people and it really confronts you as a Christian that you live in a society where yeah I believe all these issues we've just discussed are important yes but then also it's like a shot to the heart when you see a homeless person begging because you're like well yes you know there are other issues um and you know domestic violence you could take your pick now Mm. just setting aside the fact that those issues are all sort of laudatory and in a way safe territory for a Christian or anyone yes to sort of champion and in some ways let's be honest that can be you can get a bit of heat as a conservative (laughs) 
like just saying I accept the science of climate change, sure. you know, yeah. probably just yeah. lost three of my six listeners. But <laughs> I mean, no, I do believe in complete honesty. So that, that's one thing you're going <laughs> to get here. Um, and again, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of almost trying to break my record for most long winded question in this particular podcast. And it's, some it's a great question. That's a competition. Yeah, and you it. probably know exactly where I'm going. So let, sure, me, yep. let, let me get to the point. Um, would some of those Christians, how would you respond if they said to you, well, Martin Niles, look, you know, privately, I, I am concerned about the gender issue. I, I, yes. I am concerned about the idea of an eight-year-old um, interfering with their puberty yes. to block the gender because I, I just think it's too young to make that kind of decision, even for a parent to responsibly do it. I am concerned about sexual immorality and its... Um, consequences or implications for soci- mm. society. I am concerned about abortion. And I know people on the left who, on a lot of these issues, when you get them in private, they're deeply concerned. But they would say all these other issues, climate, indigenous, yes. poverty, um, you conservative Christians, all we hear, hear about is gender, 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 gender. And isn't that an obstacle <laughs> for some people to hearing the gospel hmm well it depends you know um i uh, i I don't think any of us can address all the issues you know there's that Mm -hmm. so um you know i'm i'm not you know i think that poverty is a huge problem i think that the indigenous issue is a huge problem in fact i was in central australia just recently uh on a bit of a a learning trip Mm -hmm. uh, to find out whether there's things we can do there um, I, I, I acknowledge that, um, you know, homelessness and uh, there's any number of things that are not, say, ACL bread and butter mm-hmm. um, that are important. Uh, and so all of those are things that Christians should be involved in. I think there's nothing finer than Christians who um, have given their lives to assisting in those areas. And one of the incredible things about being in Central Australia was finding out just how many mm-hmm. people there are who live out there uh, in particularly places like Alice Springs and have a long history of giving their all to mm-hmm. uh, Indigenous communities and helping and welfare and all that kind of thing. I think that's wonderful. And I have utmost respect for them. Uh, and if somebody is running a soup kitchen uh, for uh, the homeless and they're doing that and they're working super, super hard, and they don't have the time or the place or their organisation isn't structured right to be involved on, say, the gender issue uh, or, or something like that, then that's fine. I don't go to them and mm-hmm. say, I demand, mm. I demand that you get involved in something that isn't your turf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, whereas people do come to me an awful lot and say, I demand that you get involved in something that, that, that yeah, that all the time, you know, and, and they say, why don't you talk about this? Why don't you talk about that? I say, well, because actually I think ACL has been given a ministry of hard issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've been given a ministry of dealing with those things that are more challenging, that are less popular. Um, but the thing is that, that they are no less, and indeed in many cases they are far more um, uh, pressing. And their impact on humans, like let's take the gender one because mm-hmm. we've been talking about it uh, for half the podcast. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but let's let's go there. I, I did a piece on the truth of it just this week, um, and I read the story of a, a young man here in Australia who has been on hormone replacement therapy uh, from the age of 21, is now 26, and has reached out to a friend of mine who's a former transgender person mm-hmm. for help. And I just read the email that he writes, mm-hmm. and I uh, I almost couldn't get through it. Mm-hmm. It is the most harrowing, horrendous, 
heartbreaking, distressing, difficult thing mm. uh, that, that you could possibly cast your eye over. And I make the point that this is a humanitarian crisis. Mm-hmm. It's one of the biggest humanitarian crises mm. in the West. Mm. And I, I say to people who don't talk about it because they think it's unhelpful mm-hmm. or who don't talk about it because it's not popular, I actually want to go up to them and say, how dare you? <laughs> What's actually wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's only controversial because so many people are quiet. Yeah. Um, and, and you're just, it's a self-fulfilling thing. So I don't believe in failing to talk about things or choosing my issues on the basis of what is popular or acceptable. Mm-hmm. I simply don't accept mm-hmm. that. Uh, and I believe absolutely that even the issues that cause controversy also yield fruit. Mm-hmm. Because I think anything you do that is true and good and right uh, is going to yield some fruit. And yes, you'll get the heat and the crankiness. But that, I think that's the Christian life. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything unusual about that. Um, and so I'd say that there's a spectrum of things. ACL's been called to a ministry of heart issues. Mm-hmm. I'd say that they're super important. And sometimes, frankly, if we didn't talk about some of these things, who would? Yeah, I think that, you know, my reflection just listening to you speak, and I, I agree for what it's worth. <laughs> We're in not furious much, agreement today, Jonathan. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. This is the agreement podcast. I'll, I'll get you in another time for the... Um... Oh, I'll go and do a TV interview for the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that, that's probably a better, better place. Yeah. But, you know, when you think about it, and this is not even just a Christian issue, because it's not like it's only Christians concerned about the gender question. I meet people, particularly when you... When you press them and you yeah. just lay a few facts or you get them to actually oh, discuss what, yeah. what they may have privately thought about or even not thought about, but they certainly are wise enough to know you don't talk about it. Yes. And then they'll say, actually, you know, I'm not I entirely, don't agree. I'm not really particularly me. comfortable. Yeah. yeah, you know, interfering with yep. the hormonal development of children. Um, there's a kind of instinctive discomfort there that I think your average uh, person has. But again, I've gone on to gender. This is like shocking. But it's right. It's, but, our, it's our. It's our. Um, you know, you've often got this like this uh, classic example. Yeah, of yeah. What the you're classic trying to talk about. It's the classic but, example. Right, of what we're trying to talk about. I, I just had this vision of someone like like smashing the, you know, throwing their AirPods into the ground and going, "Can you just talk about something else? Well speak about. <laughs> find another illustration." But the point I wanted to make is that there are so you know we're in a broken world, and yes. so there are so many issues. Every one of them is overwhelming like homelessness if that problem were easy we wouldn't we wouldn't have we wouldn't see homeless people yes the indigenous issue you can't undo the history the legacy is there and somehow we have to improve the life of indigenous people yes somehow come up with a historical narrative that we can teach kids at school that is factual but sympathetic and can somehow hold in tension the good achievements of settlement along with some of the bad things but the point is I think for those, this is I'm I'm, I'm working up to a message to your critics. <laughs> oh, oh, good. <laughs> well, not that any of them are listening to this podcast per se, but the yeah. the point is, um, you know, there are so many issues to go around. I think we need to be careful. Particularly, I was really struck by that that you get messages demanding. Yes, because often, you're a yeah. big figure. You or know, they massive want you criticism. To, they want yeah. you to champion their, That's their right. issue, foreign yes. aid or whatever it is. Yes, and the thing is. There are so many issues that you can, different Christians or just non-Christians could reasonably devote their life to just one of those issues. Yes. Foreign aid could be your lifetime It could be ambition, a lifetime and goal. Yeah. you're not going to retire before <laughs> a ripe age and you're going to hand over to someone else. And so mm. it's kind of unreasonable in a way to expect one individual figure yes. to be able to somehow 
give the kind of treatment every passionate supporter of each one of these discrete topics. Yes. And I think they need to, I understand the focus on you because because you've got such a big voice, they want to sure. hear, hear you. They say, well, you've got an audience, why don't you make this a You know, a you should deal. be using yeah. it. That's right. And and they may, they may for them, the, um, the uh, gender thing might not be as big a priority as the environment thing or the indigenous thing. Yes. And so the point is when you have so many overwhelming problems, yes. you can get a calling uh, and you can get a burden on your heart for one yes. above some of the others. And so some people, sometimes people don't realize if they just keep it in perspective and see how many really difficult issues there are, um, there are enough to go around and there are lots of different public voices. It's not like there's no Christian who talks about aid in mm. indigenous reconciliation. And exactly. so I really liked what you said about how you you are tackling the territory, which I, I think you can objectively say is the less trodden territory because, yes. as I say, if you, if you as a Christian um, dedicate your life to reconciliation, and I want to stress, I think that's a really... Yes. Admirable. Oh, I know cause. people who do, and I think it's I do fantastic. too, and I and I really admire it. Yeah. Um, and I recognise that that that's a a uh, real problem. But they they no one in secular society is going to blink at that. In fact, Correct. they're going to get praise. Like yes. it's a it's a no brainer. It's yes. really safe, and I hate to say that because I don't I don't say that to diminish. The work mm. that people are doing, and I don't mean to suggest that they've chosen a topic because it's safe. Because, like you, I know people, sure. and they they really have a heart for the indigenous issue. They, these are non-indigenous Christians, and they really dedicate serious time and money to the cause. And I can only uh, admire that. But the reality is, there are in this uh, mosaic of really difficult, pressing issues. Yes, some of them are acceptable. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and some of them are deemed highly controversial. Yes. And really, in some ways, the, the weight of the scales is banked against you, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. Um, and so, really, I, I'm saying to the, <laughs> the legion of, uh, you know, uh, critics of Martin Niles who clearly, obviously, listen to my, <laughs> my podcast, that you've got to kind of keep it in perspective and... I think this is, I guess, my personal view. See that you you are doing some, you're doing the difficult work that needs to be done within a much wider range of work that I think Christians, if they take Jesus' teaching seriously, need to have a heart for. But yes. I'll just say to those who who are lucky enough <laughs> to be uh, passionate about those issues that are also considered highly acceptable and yes. laudatory in secular society. To spare a thought for those who are given a calling. Sure, it's not so popular. <laughs> to, to have more of a Jordan Peterson um, yeah, exactly. like role. And I, and I tell you what, you don't do it for fun. I mean, it's, there's nothing fun about it. It's not the right word. Uh, and you don't do it without trepidation. 
Um, you know, when I first got asked to come onto the Sunday Project and stick up for Israel Folau after he said homosexuals were going to hell, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I didn't sit there and go, awesome. You weren't, you weren't realizing <laughs> no. your life ambition. To- no, exactly. I actually said to someone, I said, well, no one wakes up uh, one day and says, I want to be the managing director of the ACL when I grow up. <laughs> you know, it's just not the way it goes. And you sit there and you think, man alive, do I have to? Uh, but, of course, it turned into a tremendous opportunity. And actually, I wanted to get on there and say, actually, he didn't just sit there and say homosexuals are going to hell. Mm-hmm. Let's read the whole thing and find out what it means. What do Christians say about this? Boom. And it was really a useful thing to do. Um, but also, I want to make the point that I've been on, in some way, I've been on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was younger, I was doing um, youth ministry and youth work. Uh, and there was a lot of involvement with Indigenous young people, uh, with um, a huge involvement in the refugee community. Um, and uh, we, what we were doing then was it was, evangel- it was pure evangelism and pure charity. Uh, and our lives became very much inter- intermixed with the lives of mm-hmm. these refugee young people, mm-hmm. these Indigenous young people, these low socioeconomic background young people uh, who we were supporting and helping. Uh, and became sort of, you know, almost brothers and sisters to them. Mm-hmm. And that was for years, you know. And so I've been in that space. Mm-hmm. And actually, that was that was almost, a, that was probably, I always say to people, of all the things I've done, that was my favorite. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, and found it so rewarding uh, and so fruitful. And uh, that's Christian charity, right? Mm-hmm. That's, um, you know, I'm always mind, mindful that when Jesus talks about love of neighbor, mm-hmm. he doesn't actually start by saying, look, to love your neighbor, go and lobby your local government MP to pass a law to mm-hmm. help your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not actually what he says. He says, you know what, to love your neighbor, you want to be the kind of person who goes and does it yourself, uh, who gets your hands dirty, who takes the risks, who spends the time. And that's the story of the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was his story. And he loved this person with his... And love is a person-to-person thing. You, 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 the state can't love anyone. Yeah, uh, you just can't throw money at stuff. That's um, part of our problem. But that's, <laughs> that is part of our problem. <laughs> oh, that's a whole conversation in itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the state can throw money at things at no cost to itself, mm. really. Uh, and then, and this is one of the problems in the indigenous issue. You get the government welfare stuff all coming in and dumping cash and dumping resources and then withdrawing. Mm. Uh, there's no love of neighbour in mm-hmm. any of that. Mm-hmm. And actually, love of neighbour is what I've seen in, in the Red Centre with one community in particular, where you've had people who've persevered for a decade mm. uh, and have walked with the Indigenous folk who have got to found out what their dreams and aspirations are and help them to realise them, all this kind of stuff. Um, and so I see Christian duty as quite, you know, including all of that. Um, and uh, I'm totally 100% sympathetic. Uh, I do get annoyed, though, with the people who won't touch the hot button stuff mm-hmm. um, because they don't want to be unpopular mm-hmm. or they want to do a better job of making Christianity popular than God himself, you know, like, or, you know, like they've got wrong reasons for it. Or if they get angry at me for addressing mm-hmm. the issue, that's mm-hmm. a frustration because mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you know, at the moment, we're dealing with this change in suppression practices bill in Victoria, which literally, I mean, I mm-hmm. went through all the truth of it, literally just criminalizes prayer. Mm-hmm. If I prayed for somebody, I, it's a jailable offense. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely mental. I'd make the Soviets, you know, 
I was going to say blush, and that's what I said. But, you know, maybe make them proud. I don't know. But just incredible stuff. And I'm sitting here going, uh, you know, people who say, you know, it's unhelpful to address this. Good grief. Come on. Uh, Or people who won't talk about it purely because it's not popular. Mm -hmm. That frustrates me. Uh, but I wouldn't expect you to talk about it if you were in a indigenous ministry. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's no, not no, really. That's right. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to cross pollinate in that way. Um, I'll say one other thing as well, uh, which is that I think people have um, assumed that I am not all in with those causes mm-hmm. because I have criticised the politicisation of those causes mm-hmm. in certain ways. Yeah. So I look at the indigenous issue in Australia, and my heart goes out over that issue and I think wouldn't it be fantastic to solve this uh, I'm looking at the moment we're looking at supporting some some good work that's being done there um, but because I come out and say Black Lives Matter isn't the answer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in fact it's cancerous uh, and really if you're a Christian you should not be taking that avenue yeah. uh, people have said oh well you know you, you're racist or you don't care about race relations yeah. Cancel, cancels out every other absolutely cancels out all the, ver- all, the, all, the, all the rest of your opinion on the subject mm-hmm. um, and uh, I'm sitting there going well no, that's, that's not true I'm just trying to encourage people to be discerning and understand a anti-Christian political cause mm-hmm. when they see it no matter what marginalised group they pick up to 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 use as their you know battering ram, yeah. uh, which I think in itself is unjust and unfair, um, um, you know you need to be discerning. So my unpicking of those political philosophies doesn't mean I'm not all in on the other issues. Yeah, yeah, and and I think um, a lot of people we're in such a, a uh, binary dichotomous world. Yes, and a lot of people don't deal well with nuance. I've oh noticed. yes, and yep. they, you know, people will hear you, you could you could put together the most carefully crafted speech or write something on something, and two sides of an issue can see what they want to see in it. And yes. uh, I've even seen this with things I've I've, I've written. I, I wrote a very actually. I see be, it in the comments on my videos. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I did not say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, from both sides. <laughs> yeah, and, and I and I, yeah. I think this gets back to education, and we probably shouldn't rehash territory we went we have gone over but just to flog that dead horse mm. just a couple more whips um <laughs> it's still grunting yeah, it? yeah that's right that's right there's the, if there's breath in it we're gonna knock, <laughs> we knock it going, out yeah. but I, I, I increasingly i think one of the greatest things we have lost that really worries me is critical thinking and this yes. i think gets back to your your whole mission for truth because yes. um we live in a conspiratorial world of both absolute conviction in things that can't be empirically supported by any evidence, matched with extreme doubt that even Mm. the thing that has (laughs) impeccable empirical evidence isn't Mm. uh, what it seems. And people don't have that critical faculty. This is not a Christian point. This is just we've, we've lost the art of really careful thinking. And maybe, and I don't know if this is symptomatic or causal, we've lost the the art of being able to bounce ideas off people, use a sort of civil disagreement as an anvil upon which to sharpen our mind. So you Mm. you test my assumptions and my evidence and you Mm. force me to actually have good reasons for what I think and to be more discerning than I might otherwise be Mm. if I'm just in an echo chamber. 
and I've completely lost the, the train of where I was going with this, so I might just... Well, I, I can interject and <laughs> well, save you from yeah, yourself please, if you please, like. <laughs> finish that sentence for me, please. I can't finish the sentence, <laughs> but I can, I can offer this, which might be helpful, and I'd be interested in your thoughts, actually. I've reflected a lot on this. You know, if you, for example, I mentioned the Change in Suppression Practices Bill. By me even saying a syllable mm-hmm. on the bill, mm-hmm. by virtue of who I am, yeah, yeah. you will just get sweary, angry, bitter... And the tragedy is that you can see in the people that are reacting mm-hmm. to you that way that they feel it. Yeah. Uh, and you sit there and go, there's a complete breakdown of cognitive function yeah. here. Yeah. You know, you haven't even heard me. Yeah. Uh, you haven't, you know, and I'll sit there and say, well, you know, uh, tell me what your concern is. Oh, yeah. well, you want to abuse and, uh, you know, a gay person. I was, yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, of yeah. course, that's, that's, re- that was, that's the most hideous thing I can think of. Yeah. yeah. But I think probably partly they don't believe you when you say that because yeah, of yeah, the yeah. way they're, you know, indoctrinated on the subject. But I just wonder whether a big part of this is that there's been this huge, I think one of the biggest changes in the way people think in the political realm is that it's moved away from an engagement with truth mm-hmm. to an engagement with power. Mm, yeah. And a lot of, I think, particularly what younger people who have had a, and again, this is, uh, I think intellectuals don't like it when I say this, but I think it's just true, have basically had a Marxist, <laughs> you know, a view of the world. Well, they say critical theory, a bit of Marxism, a bit of postmodernism, whatever. But power is a key feature. Yeah. Um, and, and, and seizing the power is the, is the way you engage. Yeah. And so it's almost like part of the science of that is not to engage with what's been said. Yeah. Because you're yeah, almost yeah. you're falling into the other person's power structure. That's right. You have to transcend it. Yeah. And that's why they cancel, that's why they abuse, that's yeah. why they use anger. They use emotional manipulation. Yeah. Like yeah. for example, Jordan Peterson's gonna release another book and oh, the people at the yeah. publisher are like crying about it and yeah. that's about power. Yeah. That's yeah, not about is. truth. It's about yeah. power. Yeah. Uh, and so much of our basis of engagement these days is power. Uh, and I see that this has affected politicians enormously. They've lost their conviction, actually, mm. uh, where you'll go to them with an issue that is that is self-evidently horrendous or a piece of legislation that is so bad, and they'll just immediately say, oh, the politics of this are such and yeah, such, and yeah. well, we want to win the next election. And, and the way power has just completely fused the way we engage with each other, I think, is one of the most um, absolutely destructive uh, things that's going on around yeah. us at the moment. I'm happy to say that that was a great save because that that was kind of where I was going. But great. It was even, even, it was even better than what, what was going to come out. Of <laughs> that's about. what I was. I thought that's where you were. So, heading, now, so, so now I could just add. I'm glad one of us was sort of still in tune, <laughs> still tuned into the wavelength as I was going off it then. But I I, I would just add a couple of uh, things to that. That uh, you're completely right about the power, and I think that's a really illuminating way of understanding what's going on because. And, and the aspect I wanted to add is that there's this view out there, particularly coming out of universities, that all power is ideological. That is, it's all interest-based. That is, no one is after power for the common good, the greater yes. good. It's different oh, factions so vying for power. And oh, that, yes. that thing paints politics as a zero-sum contest. And it has you have friends and you have foes. And the reason why... Uh, I think some people probably naturally just have their minds closed to just hearing you broach the topic of the bill in Victoria, mm. or even if they are open enough to hear what you have to say, are going to react because it doesn't matter. It's not about whether you're right or wrong. It's not about understanding what Martin's mm. actual, more thoughtful, careful position is. It's they see, okay, this is a threat. You're a power rival. 
you're coming mm. from a different ideological perspective. Mm. You have the interests of conservative Christians in mind because I'm trying to paint, put it into their their ideology obsessed worldview, mm. and therefore I need to do everything in my power to mm. squash you because you're a threat. This is a power contest. It's mm. my idea versus yours. It's not about discovering the truth through through mm. a common exploration of people that have different views. And I think this is why we've lost the ability to talk civilly. And I, I, I'm, I'm trying. I've, I've, you know, part of my motivation for doing this podcast, which mm. some people uh, I think have suggested, and they may well be right, is a kind of misguided attempt, be it, but might be sort of 30 years too late, is to be able to have a conservative position that deals with ideas seriously, even those with which I disagree. And I, I would have an anarchist and a socialist and a critical race theorist on the show. I'd love to have a conversation. In my own life, I am friends with progressive Christians, progressive atheists, conservative atheists, although that seems to be a dying breed in some ways because I'm not afraid of difference. I want to be challenged. Mm. I don't want to right. just have lazy views. I want to be on my toes. I want to I want to know that I have a good reason for believing what yes. I believe. And that is becoming so hard in society because I find even, this is my sort of usual rant here that uh, some listeners may have heard in other episodes, that I, I do worry that conservatism, Christian or otherwise, I don't really mind here, is is falling victim to the same thing we see on the left. It's this mm. it's this blind dogmatic thing mm. where we eat anyone that puts one toe over the imaginary line of orthodoxy that we've yes. you know you're for or you're against Trump. And if you're if yes. you call us, if you're if you're with me on ninety nine percent of issues, but yes. you you don't love that guy, then you're an enemy. Well, you yes. know what that is? That's the left wing power ideology. That's right. Worldview at work. That's right. <laughs> I just so agree with that. Uh, I mean, I even, um, I think it was Tucker Carlson, who was a darling of the right wing in the in America, yeah, yeah. recently... Made a boo-boo. Made a boo-boo, right? <laughs> he stepped outside of his zone uh, by saying, hey, Sydney Powell, I don't like, yeah, I don't yeah. like the way you're behaving. That's right. <laughs> and everyone's just like, man, I thought Tucker was on our side. Yeah, I thought yeah. he was a good man, you know. And uh, I was sitting here thinking, you know, I've got quite a lot of American listeners, and I, I sit there and think, well, you know, what if I talk about gun rights or something like uh, I, I don't agree you know yeah, yeah. Now, I think America is a very different country and I would yeah. never presume to mess with their cultural psyche and history and all the rest of it I, I'm not saying bring Australian gun laws to America yeah, yeah. but I like Australian gun laws yeah I'm like I'm, I'm happy it's the way it is here yeah. and and that again I you sit there and you think wow if I transgress orthodoxy there and I'm not within the dogma um, you know what's going to happen I did one I did a video recently and I've got a couple more in mind which do transgress I did one that was about conspiracy theories on coronavirus and I, I did a yeah, little I saw bit. that one and I really right I, I, think, I, I, think, I, I think you I mentioned think I said it to, to you me, that, actually, that yeah. I actually thought that was courageous because okay. I think I think I think that there's courage definitely standing up you know when you're swimming against the current of the the dominant culture there's obviously courage involved and your arms hurt and it's it's tough and rocks fly in your face. But there's also a certain type of courage when you're with your own people to tell hard truths. 
Right. Knowing. <laughs> Knowing they're going to disagree. A lot of them are going to disagree. Some of them are going to see yeah. you as a sellout and a turncoat. Yeah, yeah. Or know. even part of the deep state or something yeah, like this. You know, you know, <laughs> to start using the lingo of the... Yeah, you know, yeah. I, there is there is that, that, that side. And I did this one where I basically said, look, I'm not on board with any of these conspiracy theories, and mm-hmm. here's why. Mm-hmm. And I knew there would be a group of people who did follow me who would find that um, upsetting. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I did it because I... Did I, you get some mail from... Uh, I certainly did, yeah, definitely. But it's funny, when you do these things, uh, I often do segments or videos or t- talk about issues, less these days, but still often, where I sort of tremble a bit and think, man, what, what's the blowback going to be on this one? Yeah. It's amazing, you always do get a bit of blowback and you expect it, and, but, but actually you tend to get overwhelming um, thanks and agreement yeah. as well. Yeah, People yeah. who say, oh, yeah, actually, I'm glad you said that because it helped me, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah so that, that's that's the other side of the coin um, on, on all of that. Um, but, you know, I wonder whether that the thing that really interested me about what you said before was that this idea that power, it's power for self-interest. Mm. Um, and, um, see, that's, that seems to me that the great difference that Christianity brings to these mm-hmm. political silos. And I wonder whether with, without God, it becomes extremely difficult to locate your power outside of your political ideology. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if, if power is not in a political ideology and it's not even in yourself, but it's ultimately in God, and then you submit to what God requires of you, uh, and that is actually to act not in self-interest, but to use all of your... I, I put this about when Ephesians 5 talks about men in marriage, whether to lay down their lives. Mm-hmm. I say that what they're told is take your power uh, and actually completely give it up in the service of mm-hmm. someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the whole Christian message. And I wonder whether if, if God comes out of the picture... Uh, well, I know. In fact, I say I wonder, but I don't really wonder. Um, you know, when God comes out of the picture, it all starts to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and as Christians, the only way people are going to ultimate one of the only ways people are going to ultimately know that we're driven differently in that regard is by actually encountering us, hearing us talk about this stuff, hearing our reasons, and knowing us. Mm. And so that's that's always got to be there as part of our activism. I think. I completely agree. I think you know, there, I would use this. Uh metaphor or analogy who can ever tell what the difference is you, you look it up and none of none of the explanations make sense the i think when society and australia is a good example of this america is probably in the process but i think australia is more advanced here usually we're behind the u.s but i think we well and truly threw god out <laughs> if we ever had him to the yeah, extent right. america had yeah earlier he's, he's certainly not here he's cer- <laughs> i mean he's cer- he is but you know what i mean well yeah yeah <laughs> he, he certainly um was ushered through the door probably yes. in my youth. I was oh, yeah. born in the, in the 70s. Yep. And um, although it was still kind of respectable to be a Christian there and people thought it was a bit weird that I was raised in a Christian family, but it, they didn't sort of think in their head, you you know, you bigoted piece of this and that. Mm, you, know, mm. you hate these yeah. people and those people. And you're it wasn't trying like to, your Christianity you're made you a bad me. person. No, it was, yeah. just, it was just part of the spice of life. Yeah. Some people believe in this weird God yeah. or haven't, got with the program and realized he he he's dead or whatever but uh again the long-winded point is that a whole bunch of bathwater was thrown out that is i think secular society atheists didn't realize that with god came a whole bunch of really socially important Mm. (laughs) beliefs Mm. the idea that we live in a fallen world and that there is a problem with humanity and there's a problem within each of us and therefore we need to be careful about utopian programs that yes. invest hopes that can't be borne by the sinful human condition. 
that went out. Now humans yeah. are born good, and the only thing that makes them bad are certain policies, laws, social structures. That's right, environment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another thing was humility, repentance, and forgiveness. This goes to the power thing. Yes. You're not accountable to any creator. You don't have to ask for forgiveness. I mean, maybe it's nice if you do for someone you're married to just to help the marriage, but mm. you don't owe anyone to anything else. You can live for yourself. Um, and really, the humility went out because once you take out God, man becomes God. Mm. We are the supreme being. Yep. And that's inevitable. And I, I could go on and on. There's the loss of community. There's the loss of a kind of moral order. Now, you might disagree with the moral order that comes with Christianity, but I'll tell you, tell you this. Raising a child with a moral order as opposed to raising them with no moral order. The mm. idea... <laughs> You know, you look at modern parenting, it's uh, mm-hmm. just encourage, 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 never say no. Yeah. Don't make life difficult for your child, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, tiptoe no around negativity. them, basically let them mm. run the household. And then assume that everything that's good is living within them and just bring yeah, it out. Yeah. And so and, and then they grow up to become Jordan Peterson fans because that's right. They've got no sense of identity, they don't know what is right. And, yes. what and they is know wrong. no matter how many times they've been told by misguided parents and peers and teachers and academics, they know that there's something wrong with them. Yeah. And one of the f- most interesting phenomena I discovered is if you walk up to a young person and you actually say, you're corrupt, they drink it up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things yeah. I learned in youth ministry was that if you gave a young person negative feedback, they would sit up and listen to you. Yeah. Because they had never heard anything like it. And they actually knew it was true. Yeah. They knew they weren't perfect. They knew they weren't all okay. I mean, I think all people sooner rather than later, Hmm. discover there's something wrong with human beings. Exactly. And so, I mean, you you can poo-poo Christianity all you like, but it is very difficult empirically to deny what we call sin. Now, you might choose a different word for it, but everyone is let down, lied to, cheated, abused, (laughs) treated unfairly, or discovers in in themselves desires, behaviours, things... That make them regretful and so none of that gels with the dominant message you're your own god you can choose to be whatever you want don't let anyone tell you there's anything wrong with you these religious nutters no you know they're just trying to bring us all down they're the cause of all the evil and and people are like well i don't even know a christian and you know my 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 parents are mean to me my boss is uh yells at me every day and other people are trying to get ahead of me for their advantage. I just don't, where is this nirvana that you've promised me? We got rid of God and it just seems to be, it's like you took us to hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> well and, and look, um, it's the same thing with every parent. You don't need to tell, a, you know, you don't need to teach your child to do the wrong thing. Yeah. Uh, I kind of say one, one bit of wisdom. My, my, yeah. I, my dad said this as I was an adult and he is a theologian actually. And, uh, and I remember him giving a talk and he said something that always stuck with me. And he said, I didn't need to teach my son to lie. Exactly. And that, you know. Uh, exactly. I mean, that's the reality. Every parent knows this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and to deny the fact that there is something within every human that is, that is not right is, 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 is the height of foolishness. And yet that's where we've arrived. And I do think that... I mean, this is this is how I reflect again biblically on cultural issues, is that I think that this is the final and ultimate problem of a culture that the Bible articulates. 
whether it is from Genesis, whether it is you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil, and the way that's usually been taken is that you know you will actually arrogate to yourself that godlike function of deciding what is good and evil. You will be able to do that in a sense. Uh, and that's what humans do. They decide for themselves what is the right path and the wrong path. And to have the power to do that and enforce it on others is, is sort of the ultimate power. Or in Romans 1, where it says, you know, worship and serve creature rather than creator. Uh, and that is the ultimate failing, is that we we invest in ourselves a level, we overestimate the human condition mm. to such a degree. Uh, and I think that a lot of the anger and, and, and um, opposition that I experience is based on the fact that very often I am touching on those issues mm. which do go towards, you know, sin and righteousness, to use some old-fashioned terms. And people can't abide the notion that you would, you know, to use the modern phrase again, judge them. Mm. Uh, and again, I'm not judging anybody. I'm just trying to tell the truth and let the judgment fall as it will mm-hmm. on myself and mm-hmm. or you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll never forget with Izzy Falau when he did his post, um, one of the commentators that I was reading, who's uh, is a conservative, said, "Look, I'm you know all liberal. I'm in favour of free speech, but you know, um, obviously, what Falau said is completely absurd because if those are the criteria for hell, then I'd be seeing you down there." I thought, isn't that interesting? The thing mm. that he cannot fathom is that he might be judged and found wanting, right? Yeah. He just That's the thing that he found and he said in his article was offensive. <laughs> uh, you know, how dare you say I, you know, me, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. all the bad people yeah, out there. Yeah. And, and I think that whether it is conservative or left, right or left of the spectrum, this cancer of, of just self-worship, mm, yeah. this cancer of... The human being, especially me as a human being, is not the cause of any disaster. Uh, and in fact, the politics that grow out of my identity are the politics that will solve the world. And I'm, the, I can, you know, power is is all about that. That that kind of cancer is infecting politics right across the board right now. Yeah. Um, and politics is so often now becoming about, you know, it's just about the person and the state and where the power lies and what, you know how the person should should have the right to be. And that, folks, is where the microphone that Martin and I were sharing that was plugged into my laptop, mysteriously, some might even say suspiciously, decided to disconnect bringing the recording to an end. So Martin and I had a bit of a conversation. I had actually been trying to work out how I was going to wrap this thing up for about the last 20 minutes. I could tell reading Martin's face, he was wondering, who does this guy think he is, Joe Rogan? I mean, he's going to go for two to three hours. So we agreed it was probably time to bring the conversation to an end. And so we hit record again, and we recorded a tremendously uh, exciting, dynamic, funny, witty, scintillating outro. Uh, Ended that recording said our goodbyes, we're all very proud of ourselves. I got home to start the post-production and those fairies that seem to inhabit all software and hardware and just do inexplicable things that make no sense given computers are just programmed to follow instructions. Uh, That outro recording just disappeared from the face of the earth. It's lost in some other dimension and so that is why you're hearing me cut in with this sort of post-recorded outro. So I'm really sorry about that, but I can assure you, uh, Martin and I, we both had a real blast. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. Uh, On behalf of Martin, he did say thank you, as all guests do. And so really, without much further ado, I'll just leave it there. 
and uh, say that I'll be back next me- next week with more exciting content. I've actually got a, a guest lined up for next week, so st- stay tuned for that. I'm really excited. I won't say who it is and what we're discussing, but I'll just say it's a really big topic, and uh, this particular guest has a big and expansive mind, and it should be exciting. Thanks again for listening, and until I speak to you again. Bye.